How many of you are done with your Christmas shopping? Raise your hand. We all hate you. I just want you to know that. You've made enemies this morning. No, I'm, I'm joking. We envy you. Maybe that's a better way to say it. How, how many of you um, do any online shopping? Oh, 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 okay. About everybody. Does anybody go to the store anymore? I mean, I don't know. I don't know why the lines are so long, because I don't know. Everybody's online, it looks like. One Christmas, um, an elderly grandfather had become too feeble to do Christmas shopping. So he decided to give each grandchild a check. And, you know, what child wouldn't want money from grandpa, right? What I want to do is I want to show you what he wrote inside the card. He wrote, Merry Christmas, love grandpa, P.S., buy your own present. So whatever you want, you know, here's the money for it. Now, while everyone was opening their presents, Grandpa noticed that all the grandchildren were a little bit distant. And he, he didn't really know why. It was so awkward, and it followed him all the way into the new year. And one day, he was sitting at his desk, and he moved a little uh, group of papers, and he saw a little pile of checks underneath it. You know, you know what happened? You've heard this? And so he forgot to put the checks in the cards. Now, 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 wait, wait, wait. Now I want you to read the card again now that you know that. Merry Christmas, love Grandpa, buy your own present. Does it sound different this time? Sure, yeah, 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 sure it does, sure it does. This sounds more like the Grinch than Grandpa, right? It hurts to be misunderstood, doesn't it? Who doesn't know what it feels like to be misunderstood? Everybody knows what it feels like. I, I wonder if Jesus ever feels that way about Christmas. That maybe we sometimes misunderstand it a little bit. It, it, it feels like in our culture that's common. Our culture's filled with sights and sounds of the real meaning of Christmas, the lighting of the tree, time off, Christmas food, exchanging presents, Hallmark movies, all designed to kind of make us feel good and connect with the real meaning of Christmas. Well, today we're finishing our series we started a few weeks ago called Bah Humbug, and we've been talking about the story of Ebenezer Scrooge and how he found the real meaning of Christmas. Now, Christmas is not a feeling. Christmas is uh, not a season. It's not a card with Christmas rhymes. Christmas is actually a person. And his name's Jesus. And he came to earth and he changed everything. Look, it's not a miracle that you and I are human. But it is a miracle that God was one. And that's what Christmas is. So I want to give you one thought today, if you're taking notes that is progressive. Here's the first part of the thought. Christmas is a message. If you know the Christmas story, you know it didn't start with a person. It started with a message. God sent angels with supernatural messages to his earthly parents 
and to shepherds and to wise men. You know, dreams and visions and angelic appearances and the virgin birth. It was a great story. Foreigners who were searching for a king in the form of a baby. Lowly shepherds hearing the message, a wicked king with murder on his mind. Childbirth in a stable. The whole Christmas story is a message. Like the first Christmas, the story of Scrooge is also supernaturally driven. There are these, there are these messengers that appear to Scrooge one at a time at 1 o'clock, 2 o'clock, and 3 o'clock. And the first angel is the angel of Christmas past. See, Scrooge had not always been so hard-hearted. He had not always been so difficult and cold. He was once tender and lovable, but he'd abandoned, he had been abandoned and abused. And bitterness had surrounded his wounded heart. Then the angel of Christmas present appears and shows Scrooge that he had built huge walls around his heart and isolated himself. And he learned that in real life, Real people get sick and bad things happen to people and, and, and it's made worse by wounded people who shut themselves off from the rest of the world. See, Scrooge had the ability to help Tiny Tim and a lot of other people, but Cratchit and his family had all the things that money couldn't buy. Love, joy, peace, and family. Then there was the angel of the future. Scrooge had lived a wasted, purposeless life and would die an uneventful death that was even celebrated and then spend eternity separated from God. These messages penetrated Scrooge, Scrooge's heart, if you follow the story, and bring him to a place where he asked God for another chance. Which brings us to our next thought. Christmas is a message. Christmas is a message of redemption. Redemption is kind of a strange word because we really don't use it much in our culture. I want to give you a definition of it this morning. Redemption is the act of making an exchange. It's regaining something that was lost, the repayment of a burdensome debt. About the only place I could think of that we use redemption in our culture is if we're talking about a coupon. We redeem, right, coupons. When you redeem a coupon, you exchange the coupon for a greater benefit. That is what Christmas is. God coming to earth as a baby all begin God's work of repaying a great debt. And the Bible teaches that redemption is the promise of salvation to everyone. The story of Scrooge is also a story of redemption. To show how a man was, was the worst a man could be. But even he was not too far gone. And he could find redemption. A few nights ago, someone came up to uh, Pastor Mark who plays Scrooge in the play. And, and asked him, hey, the three angels that came. Was that a dream, or did they really show up? You ever thought about that? Did Scrooge dream that in the night? Or did, did three supernatural messengers really come and give him those messages? Well, the truth is, the story doesn't tell us. We don't know. And the other truth is, I guess it really doesn't matter, because the dream or the event 
changed Scrooge's life. All we know is he woke on Christmas morning and his heart was filled with joy and he had moved from darkness into light. Here's how uh, Charles Dickens puts it. Afterward, he went to church and walked around the streets and watched the people hurrying to and fro and patted the children on the head and questioned the beggars. He never dreamed that any walk, anything, could give him so much happiness. Mr. Scrooge, I was just telling everybody about what happened to you. Oh, well, well, well I, I, I'm as happy as a plum. <laughs> I'm as light as a feather. <laughs> so, how are you going to celebrate Christmas this year? Oh, I've already begun. Oh, yes. Why, why, immediately, I found those people who were trying to raise money for the orphans and widows, and I gave them quite a few back payments, indeed. And I made sure that anonymously a prize goose was delivered to the humble home of Bob Cratchit. Oh, what his family must think when they receive such a plump bird. <laughs> Let that be mine and your secret. Okay. You know, what happened to you really is a miracle, isn't it? Indeed. Why, why the debts that I owed to God were far greater than the debts owed to me combined. I've been blessed, I have been released, and I must pass that blessing on. Indeed. It sounds like you have something up your sleeve. What are you, what are you working on? Oh, yes. In the morning, when Bob Cratchit arrives at work, late of course, it, it will look something like this. What do you mean arriving at this time of day? Sergeant Rebecca, sir. But I'm behind the times. We were just celebrating last night, and I just lost track of time. It won't happen again. Indeed, it will not happen again. Bob Cratchit, I will not put up with this thing any longer. It appears that I only have one thing left to do give you a raise. Yes, I'm going to raise your salary, Bob, and I'm going to endeavor, endeavor the best I can to take care of your struggling family. And, and as for Tiny Tim, we'll find him the best medical care possible at my expense. And let's discuss your matters over a bowl of Christmas soup this very day, sir. What do you think about that, sir? I think that's incredible. Uh, uh, before I go, uh, here's an offering for the, the program you do tonight. <laughs> I want to make sure that, that the poor are taken care of in Alabaster. And also, uh, let your people know that I'm going to be praying for the souls of those who will find Jesus tonight. Thank you. Indeed. Thank you. Ebenezer Scrooge. Well, um, 
This is how the story ends. I want to read the last paragraph of the classic. Scrooge was better than his word. He did all and infinitely more. And to Tiny Tim, who did not die, he became a second father. Some people laughed to see the change in him, but he let them laugh. In truth, his own heart laughed with joy, and that was quite enough for him. And it was always said of him that he knew how to keep Christmas well, if any man alive knew how to do it. See, Scrooge had been redeemed. That's what redemption looks like. That's what the Christmas message looks like. It looks like somebody's life being changed. How many of you have experienced your life being changed by Jesus? Have you experienced it? It makes a difference, doesn't it? 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old is gone, the new is here. You know, one of my favorite lines in the entire play is when the uh, angel of Christmas present is talking to Scrooge. And he's been wrestling with these angels, you know, throughout the night and what's going on. And finally, he just kind of plops down on the bed and he says, I'm too old to change. And I love what the angel of Christmas present says to him. She looks at him and says, Scrooge, you're never too old to change. I, I wonder maybe some of you found your way here this morning and it feels kind of like that to you. I can't change now. Maybe it's your age. Maybe it's not your age. Maybe it's just that you think you can't change after everything you've done. If, if people in this church knew, or you might think if I knew, or if, if, if people were to find out, maybe, maybe you're aware enough of God to say, I know God knows what I've done. And after all I've done, I can't change now. Can I tell you what this Christmas message of redemption is to you? God makes all things new. And he can make you new also. As long as you're breathing, as long as you're alive, he can make you new too. Maybe, maybe, you're, maybe you're not one of those people. Maybe you're following Jesus with all your heart. But there's some area of your life that's never changed. You became a believer. You sincerely followed Christ. And maybe you've walked with God for a year or two or five or ten or twenty. And this chronic part of your life that you would have thought by now would be gone. Or would be conquered. Just won't seem to go away. Maybe it's, a, maybe it's an addiction. Maybe it's a broken way of thinking. Maybe it's a compulsive behavior of some kind. Can I tell you, the Christmas message is the same for you from 2 Corinthians 5, 17, God makes all things new. And the message of Christmas is, don't give up on him yet. He's not done with you because you're still here. You know, to our ancient fathers and mothers who believed the Old Testament, who heard all the prophecies about, hey, one day Messiah's going to come. 
One day, Jesus is going to come to earth. And this is how it's going to happen. And they rehearse those things around campfires like nomads in open fields, you know, watching sheep as uh, shepherds and nomadic tribes rising in the glory of a huge nation like Israel and then being on the run and separated and divided kingdom. Through all those centuries, there had to be, you know, years where some of them said, I've heard all that. I've heard all that. My great-grandfather told my grandfather, and he told my dad, and now you're telling me, and all of them are dead, and it never happened. It's probably not going to happen now either. Don't you think that there was a time in human history when people said, this is never going to happen? But you know what Christmas reminds us of? As the generations crawled by and nothing changed, one day an angel appeared to a little girl in Israel with a message. One day, wise men found a star. One day, a little baby appeared in, in, a, in a stable. One day it happened. And if that day happened, then what you need in your life to change can change. Because he makes all things new. Come on, do you believe that? He makes all things new. The message of Christmas is just that. This past week, uh, Pastor Mark, old Ebenezer, was at Walmart. You know Scrooge goes to Walmart? Boy, everybody goes to Walmart, don't they? It's inevitable. You will in fight as you may. You will end up there, I promise you. There's a hole in the universe, and it's draining us to Walmart. So Scrooge was at Walmart, but he was just Mark. And a guy saw him, and he said, hey, do you play Scrooge in that play? And he said, yeah, yes, I do. D do I know you? He said, no. He said, but I want to tell you something. He said, the other night, I came to see the play. And you know that part where you stop the play and you invite people to pray and ask Jesus into their heart? He said, I prayed that prayer. And he said, and I saw you walking down the aisle and I just wanted you to know I prayed that prayer. Is that incredible? God makes all things new. Someone has just been made new again at least 84 that told us maybe maybe you don't fit in any of those categories let me be a little more general maybe you're just struggling to celebrate Christmas in a spiritual way you know one of the things that uh was very challenging to me when I first became a believer because my, the, the culture of the home I was raised in was not Christian was how, how are Christians supposed to celebrate Christmas because the cultural celebrations are so strong they're so dominant and they're driven by you know 
billions of dollars, right? A lot of stores make 40, 50, 60% of their profit in 45 to 60 days, you know. It's, it's such an engine in our culture. It's driven. How do, and and I, th- I think oftentimes Christians struggle, if you know what I mean by this, to feel spiritual during Christmas or to, or to celebrate Christmas in a spiritual way. I'm not against the cultural celebration. I, you know, I have a tree and all of that. We do presents. I'm, I'm not that guy. But maybe you just have had the same questions I've had. Like, how do we not just do Hallmark movies and cookies and decorate and there's supposed to be some, something below that and we never really get to it? How do we celebrate Christmas in a spiritual way? I, I was so um, struck by a Facebook post that I read um, that, that, I, that I wanted to read it to you from a couple in our church. And here, here's what she wrote. She said, uh, this year, Christmas looks a lot different at the Bush home. This is from Caleb and Samantha Bush. I don't know if you guys are in this service. No? Okay. Well, if you put it on Facebook, you know, I guess it's okay to share it. It's your fault. Shouldn't have put it there. <laughs> right? So here's what she said. This year, Christmas looks a lot different at the Bush home. Simpler, less frantic, more peaceful, we won't be home for Christmas, and we're traveling so much and so stressed preparing for me to enter internship in January, we decided not to decorate and exchange the insanity for quality time spent with family and friends who feel like family. We're reading a beautiful and simple devotional, Advent devotion, alongside each other, listening to lots of Christmas uh, playlists, and tonight broke out our handcrafted Honduran, they went on a, one of our Honduran mission, uh, Honduras mission trips, Honduran nativity scenes. It's our little piece of Christmas, and this year, it just feels right. I say, you know, well done. Someone brave enough to push back against the cultural celebration in an attempt to grab the meaning the spiritual celebration. What is Christmas really about? Do you know, maybe you've celebrated, you know, 20, 30, 40, 50, 60, who knows how many Christmases. The message is the same to you. God makes all things new. And he can make your Christmas celebration new this year. Maybe even with just the smallest change. But maybe you can grab a little bit more of what the meaning is. So here's the thought. Christmas is a message. Christmas is a message of redemption. Christmas is a message of redemption that invites us to make a choice. I don't know if you know this or not, but life is full of choices. I was reminded a few years ago when I was sitting at a, at a restaurant um, with a missionary from another part of the world where they don't have so many choices. And they had been gone for several years, and we caught them just, it was their first time to be on the mission field, so they had to adjust to that culture. And now it was their first time back home after being gone for a few years. And um, we caught them at the very beginning of their time back in the States. And we're sitting at lunch, you know, and we're looking through this menu, you know what I'm saying? Just page after page, 
you know, like a, like a catalog of things. And they're sitting there, and they're hesitating to order it. And I said, uh, hey, uh, is there, you know, is there something wrong? Or, and he looked at me, and he said, boy, there's just so many choices. He's, you know, he goes, I don't remember this. The man, the country we're in, you, you go, and you, you get like four or five things. That's it. You know, I mean, that's it. I don't know if you realize how inundated we are in the American culture with choices. What are you going to have for dinner? You know, chicken or fish? Is it going to be a small, medium, or a large? You want fries or a salad? Debit or credit? Right? Most of our choices don't have a major consequence on our life. But there are some choices that do. Should I marry this person or not? Should I choose this career or that one? Do I move my family to Pelham or Pittsburgh? We've all been at a crossroads in life and looked back and thought, I wish I would have made you know, a different decision there. Or, I'm glad I made that decision there. Notice the message of Christmas, though, is not a, a mandate. Notice what it is. It's an invitation. And if I'm just totally honest with you, part of me wishes that it wasn't an invitation. Part of me wishes it wasn't. Redemption doesn't come automatically. I wish it did. God doesn't just change people and fix them. He doesn't just force himself on them and say, hey, I'm tired of waiting. Your life is wounded. Your life is broken. You need help. I'm going to step in and I'm just going to override your will and I'm going to help you. Sometimes we pray like that. Oh God, change this person. But he's not going to do it. Unless they accept his invitation. But he will invite them again and again and again and again. He invites them and he invites us to let the Christmas message fill our lives. But ultimately, it's our choice. Matthew chapter 7, verse 24 says, Everyone who hears my words and then acts on them. Do you know this story? It's like a wise man who builds his house upon a rock. It stands strong, even in the worst storm. But those who hear my words and do not act on them are like the foolish man who built his house on a foundation of sand. The storms came and the house was easily destroyed. So what's the difference? Both people hear God's invitation. Both people hear God's voice. Both people have an inner sense, a conviction, a nudge, a whisper, a thought, an impulse, a, a, a spiritual understanding that God is, is pulling me. He's inviting me. He's calling me this direction. Both hear. One responds. One applies. One answers. The other one ignores. And the one who ignores is like a person who builds this house on sand. When the storms of life comes, their house is destroyed. The other one who hears the invitation and responds. 
accepts it. It's like a person who builds their house on a rock that no matter what hits you, your life will not be destroyed. And what's the difference? What's really our part? It's so small. It's just a response. It's just a, it's just a okay, God, I'll agree with you. I'll go the way you want me to go. I'll say what you want me to say. I'll do what you want me to do. It's, it's so small, but it's so big. It's such a little thing, but it's such a, because it's a surrender of the person. We're, we're going to go ahead and surrender. So this morning we can hear the invitation and ignore it. Or we can hear the invitation and act on it. Have, have you responded to Jesus' invitation this Christmas to make all things new? And what part of your life needs to be new? Maybe... Maybe some of you are like the person I talked about who has a challenge that just won't go away. A sickness, a problem, an addiction, a bondage. God's word to you today is he makes all things new. But you have to, right? You have to respond to the invitation. Maybe you're here and you say, I have a loved one, a family member, a friend, an adult child, a teenager, a parent, who I've prayed for for so many years. And they just won't seem to ever accept Jesus' invitation. No matter what I do or say, I'm there. I have a 75 year old dad who I've prayed for and talked to since I was 15 he will not come to faith I know how you feel but can I tell you God's word to you and to me is behold I make all things new so don't give up now maybe today God's going to give you a new prayer or a new thought or a new word to speak a new way to approach I don't know but I know that's what he does maybe Jesus just wants to do something real practical like help you celebrate Christmas in a spiritual way and not just a cultural way you don't have to make it a big you know performance I'll tell you what we've done, um, and I don't think it's so much, I don't think it's so much what you do, is it is that you keep doing it. You, you know, you don't have to, I think sometimes we feel unqualified. Like I would do the spiritual part, but I don't, I don't know how, I didn't go to Bible school, and I didn't train, and I'm not, you know. And I think the enemy harasses us with those feelings of disqualification. You do something simple. We, we take some candles and light them and turn the lights off and put music in the back and we read the Christmas story. 
and we all take turns praying. And then we ask the Holy Spirit to put on our heart a gift that we would collect as a family and give to someone who we know is in need. And it's not so much, it's not so much the power of any single event, any single night that we've done it. It's that we do it every year. And it's that we come back to it again and again and again and we look around at each other and say, you know, this is really what Christmas is about. Like this is, this matters more than any other part of it that we do. This is what it's about. Man, for those of you who invited a friend to Scrooge, that's what Christmas is about. You already celebrated. <laughs> because you, you introduced someone to the message that God makes all things new. You're already celebrating. So I want to lift any pressure or guilt or feeling that you might not be, you know, spiritual enough. Hogwash. Jesus came as a baby for a reason. He didn't come to dominate. He didn't come to intimidate. You, you ever go to the hospital to see a, a, you know, a newborn? You ever notice when somebody, you look in that window and they figure out which baby it is, everybody gets as close to the glass as they can, mashes their face up on, you know, right? And you go in the room, you know, and they tell you what all they went through and you go, yeah, 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 where's the baby? Like, I'm glad you made it. But where's, where's the baby? You know why, you know why we do that? Because there's nothing intimidating about a baby. You know why Jesus came as a baby? Because, man, it's just, the, it's just the best way he can invite you and me to come close. Which is what he wants. So you, you don't have to do a big show. Just press your face up on the glass. Look in. Look in. Take him in. And I promise you, it'll be enough. Would you stand with me? We're going um, to sing a worship song this morning. As we sing this song, I want to ask you just to open your heart and just worship Him. We're, we're ending early today, so service isn't over. If you don't have to leave, you know, if you do have to leave, we understand. If you don't, please don't leave. We're gonna sing this song, and after we sing this song, we're gonna have a have a time of prayer. But would you would you just close your eyes and begin to tell Jesus, Lord, I thank you today. I thank you for the for the baby. <laughs> I thank you today that you came in such a way that you invite me to hear your voice and to come close. God, I I open my ears in every way I know how. Let me hear you today. Let me hear you. And Lord, I, I'll do what you want me to do. Speak today, Lord, as we worship you. Now come on and just, just begin to worship him as the worship team sings. Oh, Jesus, God, we love you. 
love came down and rescued me love came down and set me free i am yours i am forever yours mountain high or valley low i sing out reminds my soul
going to ask our prayer team if you come. If you need prayer today, in just a minute, I'm going to invite you to come. Come on, prayer team, if you'd come this morning. You know, a lot of, a lot of our cast and crew have fighting a little sickness so maybe you just need a touch in your body and if you want to come and let us pray for you today maybe you've invited somebody who you're hoping will come tonight you want to pray for them stand in for them or a relative a friend maybe you were like the person we talked about you know you have that that aching need inside that thing that just won't change or maybe you're one of those who say I'm not totally sure I have a relationship with God, but today I'd like to start one. We'd love to pray for you too. So would you just close your eyes for a minute? And I'm going to begin to pray. As I do, if you have a need, I want you to come this morning. Let us pray for you. Lord Jesus, we thank you for the love of God that's in this place. We thank you for your presence and power. And Lord, for those who need a touch from you, who need not just the message, but the person of Jesus. God, we pray that you would minister grace and life and power today in truth. As we begin to sing this song, if you need prayer, I want you to come this morning. Let the, let the prayer team minister to you. Lord, we bless you today. God bless you.